the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Uh, I literally just woke up and then I went on Twitter and it was like the, uh, or no, I know I didn't. Uh, my friend from work texted me. Oh, okay. He texted me the, uh, Shams tweet. So I didn't even open Twitter. It was just right there when I woke up. So then you woke up and then you had to go to the gym to bang it out. Yeah. <laughs> you bang you know, out the I, feeling. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, how could we do this today? <laughs> uh, what, what, what machine were you on? I just want to get the visual. I was just, uh, I was just doing some, like, shoulder press. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where we are going to have a podcast episode that is befitting of the Lakers' recently let go and stretch player. It will last about 10 minutes, which is also about as long as his Lakers tenure lasted. And I'm talking about Luau Dang. Tommy, no. Dang Dong, the witch is dead. No! <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Lakers stretched and bought out Luau Ding today, this Saturday. Um, uh, Tommy, instant reactions. <laughs> instant reactions. This is, this is a travesty. We were supposed to be a finals contender next year, and I, I just don't see how that's possible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously September 1st, we are in September, and that this was the date that... Actually, can you explain it, Tommy? What's, what's the significance of the September 1st date? Uh, the significance is if we wave and stretch Dang um, starting today or later, uh, his stretch would be over the final year of his contract as opposed to, like, let's say, hypothetically, we would never do this, but let's say we stretched him yesterday. His stretch would be a stretch of the remaining two years of his contract. So it would be a stretch over five years because it's two times the remaining years plus one. So. Mm-hmm. By waiting till September 1st, it becomes 2018-19 season. The contract is fully guaranteed. And then the stretch kicks in for a stretch of the final year. 
Uh, so that final year, whatever the buyout number, which I don't think we know yet, is that number is going to be stretched over three years because it's one year of the deal left times two plus one. Gotcha. Now, with regards to cap space, the Lakers wouldn't have cap space this year, but they would start having that cap space available to them next year, correct? Correct. Okay. And even in, even if they had, let's say they hadn't reached a buyout agreement with Luau Deng and he wasn't surrendering any money, if they had just outright stretched him today, um, what would that number would still be? We next year we'd save about ten million dollars, right? Yeah, maybe even maybe like twelve because it would be eighteen million stretched over three, so it would be like six point because it was eighteen point something, so it would be like oh, right. yeah, so it would be like six point one or 6.2 or something stretched over three years so it's really like yeah like a 12 million million. yeah 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 okay so i I guess we can assume that starting next year the lakers will have opened up around that same amount of money maybe maybe luau dang and obviously we're still waiting to find out what the numbers are of how much he's willing to give up but i'd assume and and initially when this all started we thought that if the Lakers plan to make this move today, because they, they really had no reason, well, I'm not saying they had no reason, but we thought they had no reason to make this move as soon as September 1st, and that they could essentially stre- uh, stretch and reach a buyout agreement with him anytime from now till February, and it would still be the same thing. Um, and we thought that if Luau Deng and Rob Palenka had come to an agreement to, uh, yeah, buy him out, that they would only do so for a significant amount. Are you still of that same mindset? Or at this point, do you think they, the Lakers just had other priorities and maybe they did just reach, you know, maybe Luau Deng really did just give up $2 million this year, $2 million next year? I still don't really have any idea. I mean, I, I think that that scenario makes maybe slightly more sense. But I guess, like, you know, I, I think maybe we have a tendency to uh, and I'll, I'll really blame myself more for this. I, I have a tendency to think that they're way more willing to get rid of first round picks than maybe they actually are. Um, yeah. I think the old school Lakers mentality, a hundred thousand percent would have been like, we have LeBron James now, so we just need every dollar of cap space that we can possibly get. So we would, you know, Instead of stretching Dang, let's hold on to him for one more year since this year it's a wash, right? Like his cap hit counts as 18 million regardless. So yeah. let's wait a year and then when he's an expiring contract, let's see if we could spend a first or maybe two firsts to send him out. And I guess they just viewed the situation as, uh, no, it's not worth it. Instead of saving that $6 million cap space, we'd rather just save the first round pick. Which I think yeah. is a totally defensible position, by the way. It's I just, great. It's great. Yeah, it's it's a totally defensible position. I just did not, frankly, expect them to do that. I mean, I I prefer this way actually because sure. with the stretch, we still have enough to, without doing anything else now, uh, n- literally nothing else changing. We have enough money to sign a full max contract next summer. Yeah, we have so, thirty six to thirty eight million. Yeah, exactly. Depending on the buyout number, so. I, I would have preferred this outcome, to be honest, all along. I just thought that they would want to maintain flexibility in case they really wanted to keep that extra $6 million for something. But I guess they viewed it as, you know, if we sign another Max guy, we sign another Max guy, and that extra $6 million is not going to make a difference. And, like, uh, 
we're going to be filling out our roster with like MLE and minimum players anyway. Right. And, you know, we're still getting used to this front office. Like you said, in the past, we would have easily given up a first just to get rid of, you know, a bad contract. And this front office already had to do that initially. Um, But I guess it just shows how how tightly they're going to hold on to all of these assets and not repeat the sins of the past moving forward, even if they have a LeBron James or even if they have a contending team, which I think is really encouraging. And um, also, you know, just to go back to, you know, obviously there was that Mark Deeks NBA article that we kind of went out and said it would behoove the Lakers to wait whatever, however amount long this year to just see all of their options. And I think, you know, we were never saying that this wasn't going to happen. I think our argument and stance was, well, why do they need to do it on September 1st? Uh, And so they ended up doing it on September 1st, and maybe they're not going to get what we initially thought you know, our stance was if they do a, a buyout on September 1st, then Luau Deng probably gave up a hefty amount of money in return. And I don't know necessarily if that's going to be the case. And I think the Lakers priorities are just to, one, get out ahead of this, uh, free Luau Deng, and also maybe free up an open roster spot. And maybe that's the flexibility that they're looking at versus flexibility of options with Luau Deng. Because initially we were like, well, they can still wait to fe- till February to do this. And in that interim period, they can see if they can get rid of Luau Deng for maybe less than a first, even though that's unrealistic. For example, let's say Zubats has a mini breakout <laughs> through the first half of the <laughs> right. season, right? So maybe then a team is like, yeah, we'll take Luau Deng for Zubats in a second round pick. And even though maybe if it's a Zubats is playing at a first round picks level through this first half, I think we'd easily surrender that to get rid of Deng, right? So, and in that case, technically that's still less than a first. So I was just saying, well, you know, why not just wait till February and then see, okay, we really don't have any options and we really, really will have to surrender a first, then we can still stretch and buy out dang then. But uh, I guess, what do you think changed or what, I guess, how did your mindset change in that respect? I mean, again, I think it's like what you said really hit the, hit the nail on the head there with the, uh, we're still getting used to this new front office because you have a tendency to, you know, revert to, okay, well, is this technically possible? Yeah, obviously it's technically possible, but in the back of your mind, there's just that like nagging voice that's like, this would never happen. So why are we even thinking about it? Because you're thinking about like the old front office again. So it's like the old front office, I don't think at all would even entertain this possibility. I think they would a hundred percent wait and then see what happened, and then, you know, next summer they end up shipping him out for a first and a second or something along those lines. Um, but I guess this front office was like, or or even just stretch him next summer, but I guess this front office was like, you know, if our, if our best case scenario is saving the $6 million and uh, sending him out for one at, you know, a minimum one first-round pick, then we'd rather just, if we already know that's our best case scenario, then we'd rather just get rid of them now and, you know, eat that money and then just say, okay, we'd rather keep the first round pick plus whatever else right. it would cost. So I, again, totally defensible position and actually pre- in a lot of ways, preferable decision. I just had no ex- expectation that they would approach <laughs> it this way. So I'm, I'm actually really glad they did because it kind of gets to like we, what we've been talking about in other episodes, which is, 
you know, this front office is not just like, let's throw everything all on the table and just try to win one now while we have LeBron. It's, it's showing some sense of like foresight. Like they could have easily dumped. Like I said, I've said like multiple times now, they could have easily spent two first round picks. There would have been multiple suitors when you're talking about two first round picks to take Dang's last year. Plus they could have sent cash, you know? So it's like, they would have easily been able to dump Dang for nothing, but they viewed it as no, instead of saving that $6 million of cap space, we'd rather just save the picks because the picks are going to be more important to us moving forward. And I think that was a very, very, very smart move by them. And also another angle to look at this with is one in this LeBron era of the Lakers, presumably this would be this first year is the worst we're ever going to be. Right. So it's important to also keep that first round pick because it's the best first round pick we're probably ever going to have. Right. So it, it holds immense value whether that means we actually use it now to not only offload Ding, well, we're definitely not using it to offload Ding, he's gone, right. but we can now use it to actually trade for somebody at the trade deadline, and we have that open roster spot. So now that, that angle is totally available to us, and it's exciting. Or if we don't have anything at midseason, then we use that draft pick, and maybe it's a you know, 23 to 26 range type of first, which we've done well with in the past. So... And now that I now that I'm talking myself into this, I do think that first round pick is gone by midseason. But I don't know. Again, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know this front office. I just think that. Well, yeah, I mean, like, really well, I think they'd want to bring in any additional no, help. They I, can. I agree. I agree. And I think that, like, but it's like, look, I don't know. I think that's the thing is we really don't know what this front office is going to do because, like, we thought for sure our late first rounder this year was going to be shipped out at some point. And even after we drafted Mo Wagner, we were like, all right, well, he's still. <laughs> is probably going to get shipped out, but now it looks like he's just going to be on the team. So it, it's it, it's in, it's very, very interesting. I mean, you could also see a scenario, because we have so much expiring contract salary, you could see a scenario where somebody like Jimmy Butler gets put on the block. And, yeah. you know, we're able to take Jimmy Butler plus take a bad contract, and we have so many expirings that we could just ship all of that out Plus, we have uh, uh, now we've kept all our first round picks because we didn't waste any getting rid of Dang. And it's like, you know, you start to see these different scenarios play out. But I, I think it's like, I, that, again, I, I think it's like a very defensible position. And I'm frankly, I'm kind of glad they did it. And now I think the only question is one thing I was, the one lingering issue I had with this uh, plan the whole time. And when I say this plan, I meant keeping Dang the whole season, which is what I kind of, or we kind of suggested might make most sense um, for the front office, was just keeping the whole season and see how things play out. The one problem I always had with that was uh, we already are committing a roster spot to Isak Banga, who's not going to play this season. Like, we saw him (laughs) in the summer league. Like, that fool is a year away from being a year away, you know? So he that was already one wasted spot and we already knew Dang was not going to play. So that was like two wasted spots. We're talking about mm-hmm. like a 15 man roster. Like I'm pretty sure they, they let you keep 14 guys active now or is it still 13? I can't remember. Uh, it might be 13, but you can't have 15 guys on the roster and then the two way contracts are on top. Exactly. Of but, but still it was like, okay, so you're carrying 15 guys for a whole season and you already know by default who are not going to play. So it's like those are so it's like if somebody gets hurt, you know, your roster is just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. 
So to me, it, it that that's the thing that kind of like was making me a little bit nervous about this whole this whole situation with Dang. So the fact that they've now waived him, I actually don't think they're going to keep the spot open. I think they're just going to sign a minimum guy because, and I don't think it's going to be a young guy. I think they're going to sign a veteran because if they sign a minimum guy, they could just waive him at any point, you know, during the season. It, it, a minimum is a minimum. They would replace whoever they, you know, I, I guess what I'm, I'm viewing this through the, pers- through the perspective of, you know, making a trade, if they have to make a trade or something in the future. Um, yeah. And they need the extra roster spot. If they're signing a guy for a minimum deal, they could trade him whenever. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm very curious to see what they do with that spot now. I mean, you know, we were definitely in our own echo chamber on Thursday or Friday, whenever that Mark Deeks article came out. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, well, actually, they have just as many flexible options now than they yeah. did if they had just waited to do this with Dang. Now they really know what they can or can't do moving forward, and it's set in stone. And what they can do is a lot of things. Like you said, they can maintain flexibility for a trade. They can sign a guy now, wave him later, just see how it works out. They can now use their 2019 first-round pick as a bargaining chip to either gain help during the season or just you draft another guy next season. I mean, the possibilities are now endless, and not only is this a defensible move, but, I mean, it may be the latest move. Yeah. And um, so let's go through really quickly what, let's say they do sign a guy. Who are some of the guys that you think they could potentially go after? Are they going down the superstar nostalgia route or are they going to actually try and get another emergency center? Because that's still the position where there's most availability and and the most vagueness exists. Right. So I think uh, as a preliminary, as like a first point, I think the superstar angle or fading superstar angle is definitely still possible. Um, the guy that obviously stands out, yeah, the guy that obviously stands out is Dwayne Wade. Um, I for I guess like as a very preliminary matter, whoever they sign, they're going to run by LeBron James. So sure, Dwayne Wade signed a minimum contract to go to freaking Cleveland of all places last year, um, and. Uh, and, and I, I think that LeBron got that experience of like, okay, this is what... I mean, Cleveland was so bad that D-Wade actually had to play. So that kind of like changes things a little bit. But um, like LeBron got that experience. He knows like what D-Wade looks like now. He knows what it was like, whether it was he needs somebody like that around to keep, you know, keep his mental health in a good spot. Like he'll know. And I'm sure he'll talk to the front office. I'm sure he'll talk to Dwayne Wade. I'm sure... I just feel like that conversation will be had because we're now in September. Dwayne Wade has not officially retired. Everybody else who was going to officially retire or like retire has retired. Like if anything, Wade has been posting clips on the Instagram and stuff of him working out still. Mm-hmm. So I would not be shocked if they were like, okay, we need a fifth guard and we already have, you know, we have Lonzo Rondo, we have KCP and Josh Hart. Wade could be that fifth guard. If somebody gets hurt, he could step in. He's pretty versatile. He can be a ball handler. He can play off the ball. But the biggest, biggest thing is he's friends with LeBron. And if LeBron says, like, hey, that would be cool if if Dwayne Wade was here because I have one person to fall back on, I absolutely think they would do something like that. So... That being said, though, I don't know. And LeBron might say, like, no, I don't need somebody like that. It's fine. We have these other vets. I'm cool with them. 
I also like the young guys. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Then I do think like maybe they go for a big man. I, I don't know. I really I don't know who's available. I know some people like you mentioned. Uh, yeah, so me I offline. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so the, the centers that are available right now who are still unrestricted free agents include Jeffrey Laverne. <laughs> Wait, didn't Joffrey go overseas? Uh, he maybe he did, but I mean he's still technically a free agent. You can uh, check me on that. But um, Lucas Nagara, you know he's still young, energetic. No, I don't know well, that is to be honest. <laughs> he was on the Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've also got Cole Aldrich, Trevor Booker. I know he signed overseas or something, but maybe he'd be willing to forego that contract and come back to the NBA. Some interesting non-center options the Lakers have would be uh. Uh, Paul Zipser, I don't know if that's a realistic get as well. Um, former second-round pick of the Chicago Bulls, 6'8", shooter. So, I mean, obviously, Quincy AC, those types of guys are still available for the for the Lakers to look at. Um, and and uh, like like you said, Dwayne Wade's a possibility. Obviously, I've, you're pretty much ruling out Chris Bosh, right? Do you think he'll be cleared? I don't think it'll be Chris Bosh. I just don't yeah, think don't... the medical stuff will be cleared. Although we have the Rob Palenka connection. So for God's yeah. sake, I would be so... I think like that, in my opinion, I don't want to put this guy's life at risk. So please, for God's sake, <laughs> oh, like, I... <laughs> let's hope he's True. like totally, totally cleared. But if he is 100,000% cleared and he you know, is just going to be like kind of a bench locker room guy who might play spot like 10 minutes here and there, like... I would be so interested in just giving him a contract and seeing if he could still play. Um, because like I said, it's going to be a, whoever we give it to, we have no cap space left. So it's going to be a minimum contract and we could just waive that person whenever, you know? So. Yeah. And I think they better be 2000% clear that he's okay. Cause I don't want that PR <laughs> backlash. If, I know. If he regresses or something like that. Um, but anyways, I think, Maybe the Lakers may end up going down that veteran minimum role player route versus the superstar nostalgia route just because maybe they don't want to introduce such a big new dynamic into the locker room in terms of and, and not to say Dwayne Wade will, you know, make a fuss, but it's just another, you know, Rubik's Cube that you have to turn and take account of that's actually a big factor. You know, it's not just like Lance Stevenson where, you know. And, and and I don't know, maybe Dwayne Wade has changed in his last tenure, you know, um, but I think he had like a 30-point game or 25-point game in the playoffs for the Heat, right? I right. just don't know what bringing in that added factor and a big one, having him, especially him being LeBron's best friend and them winning championships in Miami. I don't know what all that, what that will do to change like the atmosphere and maybe too big of a change to kind of, you know, want to introduce, especially one month out from training camp. So maybe they just don't want to rock the boat in that sense. And, and they just sign a, an additional break in case of emergency type of center. So I don't know. Right. I guess we'll see. Do you have any other thoughts? It's just crazy. I was not expecting to, <laughs> I was not expecting to have a Luau Dang emergency podcast. We did one for LeBron. And then the only other one we've done is for Luau Dang, but I guess it is a monumentous occasion. I mean, yeah, this, it's it crazy is, how yeah. I will say that this front office is is not going to get, I think, ever, frankly, as much credit as like Daryl Morey gets or, you know, some of the other GMs in the NBA get, but or front offices in the NBA get, I should say. But how fast have we turned things around here? You know what I mean? Obviously, like everybody Literally, points yeah. to 
Yeah, it's like everybody's going to point to the LeBron thing, and they deserve tons of credit for the way they manage that whole situation. But the having Timothy Mozgov and Luel Deng and getting rid of both for essentially just D'Angelo Russell, but then simultaneously acquiring another first-round pick, and I'm not going to get into semantics of whether that first-round pick is Kyle Kuzma or whether that first-round pick is Josh Hart, but the point is they got another first-round pick out of it. And that first round pick ended up a player ended up being a player who is going to help us. You know, we, it remains to be seen whether or not D'Lo becomes, you know, that top two player. But we got another first round pick who is going to be a rotational player and help us in our playoff runs and, you know, in our seasons moving forward. So it's crazy that they were able to dump both of those, keep all the picks, keep all the flexibility and completely revamp the roster in just a year and a half, basically. Yeah, no, I agree. Oh, also one, one last thing. Um, can you explain to people why Rodney Hood is an unrealistic uh, scenario? I, I know people are throwing out, I'd love to get Rodney Hood. He's still available. Why, why do you think Rodney Hood is just uh, unattainable at this point? I think Rodney Hood is unattainable for two reasons. The first one is he's still a restricted free agent. Um, so, you know, he's not going to sign an offer sheet unless he gets renounced, right? Like the way we, we renounced Mm -hmm. Randall. But then the second reason, even if he does get renounced, Rodney Hood is not the type of guy who's going to be signing on this team. Um, Rodney Hood is going to be signing with a team where he can play because he's going to be looking for a long-term deal next year. Uh, we cannot guarantee Rodney Hood any minutes as much as I would rather have Rodney Hood. And I, this is unfair maybe to Lance Stevenson because we haven't seen him play yet. But as much as I would have rather had Rodney Hood before we signed Lance Stevenson, there's no – to be our backup wing, there are just no guaranteed minutes for him on this roster at this point. We already have you know two guards who can really play in KCP and Josh Hart. Uh, we already have Brandon Ingram and Lance Stevenson. Rodney Hood could probably beat out Lance Stevenson, you know, for a spot for minutes. But again, it's not guaranteed and he's going to take the guaranteed minutes. So I just I don't view that as realistic at all. Well, and the third point is if people didn't realize this, because initially, let's say the Lakers hadn't made use of their uh, room level exception or whatever exception they had that was like four million dollars and all that stuff and or hadn't yet signed their rookies and everything. Right. Uh, people would assume that if they stretch Luau Dang, well, oh, extra ten million to use, and maybe then if, if Rodney Hood gets bought out, then we can use we can throw that ten million at him. But actually, because the Lakers made all their signings already, there is no cap space. It's going to be a minimum deal, right? It's going to be a minimum deal regardless, and they wouldn't yeah. give anybody a multi-year deal in any circumstance because they need the. Oh, I mean, just that one year, ten million. Oh from yeah, the, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, and oh, that's a good point. But yeah, no, at this point, it's just going to be a minimum because we have no cap space. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, we have run over time. I mean, this is past Luau Deng's career, this 24 minutes that we're on at this point. Um, but hey, pour one out to Luau Deng, Africa Games, his last hurrah for the Lakers, yeah. I guess, technically on the Lakers. Tommy, do you have, and I, I know we're joking a lot about this guy and I feel bad because uh, by all bad, accounts, yeah. he's, he's a good this guy. He's a really good guy. And he's, he was mainly brought on for his veteran presence and to kind of help mentor Brandon Ingram. They both come from Duke and I think he is pretty revered uh, by teammates all around. But, uh, I mean, we can be go back into jokey mode here, but do you have any you googlies for Luau Deng and his time with the, the Lakers career? What, what's your most memorable moment of Luau Deng? Um, I don't have... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a most memorable moment, but I, I will say that, you know, 
not a lot of player. There are not a lot of players in the NBA who would have handled uh, what happened to Luol Deng last sure. year as well as he did. Um, I'm not going to, you know, jump on my high horse and be like, oh, this is disrespectful because it's not, you know, the dude was making, first of all, you know, people, <laughs> I saw some Wilbon or no, not Wilbon. Uh, it might've been Simmons. It was either Simmons or um, maybe Mark Spears. Somebody tweeted this morning, like, uh, it, oh, the unfortunate thing in all of this is that, you know, Luol Deng sat out a full year at the, you know, end of, towards the end of his career. And that was like a year of effectiveness that was now kind of wasted. And I was like, no, sir, if you watch the previous season, the guy was washed up already. You know what I mean? Like, he was already pretty washed up. I don't think that it was, I'm not going to say, like, he was, it was a completely wasted season. He got paid $18 million. I'm sure he's very happy financially. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it's like, I get that there's more than that to it. But anyway, despite all of that, there's not a lot of people who would have been as quiet and as respectful not making a scene, not pouting, um, by all accounts was a fantastic locker room guy that all the young guys liked. By all accounts was there, engaged, although he wasn't at the games usually, he was fully engaged with the young guys and everybody seemed to really like him. And, uh, and yeah, I give him insane props for that and I hope he ends up in a good spot and I just hope it's not in Houston. I hope it's in Minnesota. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be with Tibbs for sure. Hey, breaking news, um, Bobby Marks and Keith Smith are both reporting that Luau Deng gave up a pretty significant amount, around the 5 to $10 million mark. Holy <laughs> shite, son. <laughs> okay, well, that, in, that, in that case, that's kind of like what we were saying the other day. We were like, right. he's not going to give up more than like $4 million. But if he's giving up 5 to $10 million, that is insane, dude. If he's that's giving up six to though. eight, even six to eight million, that's a good and that, amount. And, and, and that then makes that, a lot more sense why they did it now. If he was willing to give up the most amount of money now versus like, he's like, I'm not going to give you more money if I only have like, if you're letting me waste away this extra year. Exactly. Well, like just uh, to like think yeah. about just the rough numbers, if he gave up eight million, then that that means that his hit next year would be 10 million stretched over three years. So we're talking about like 3.4 cause it would be a little bit over eight, yeah. but that's, that's the, uh, that's at that point, that's it's like, you kind of just have to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? No, because for sure. yeah, that, that money is not going to be the difference between you getting a guy you want and you not getting a guy you want. Man, I'm still confused that if the Lakers get any cap space this offseason, so they don't get any cap space this offseason, it starts next season? My impression... I it was that we just take whatever buyout he gets. Let's say it's like he gets bought out for $25 million, and then we're just stretching that, and so the next two years, or however many amount that is stretched, we divide it by his remaining two years. So, so, that would so be... look, I, I agree with you. It's confusing. When we... Um... When we first started talking about this, my impression was, let's say he gets bought out for 25, like you said, or let's just say 26, because it's an even number. He gets yeah. bought out for 26. So 26 is, I thought, would be 13 this year, 13 next year, and then we would stretch the 13 that's next year. That's how I thought mm -hmm. mechanically it would work, which would then free up like 5 million of space for us this year. But um, I... That uh, what was that dude's name? Mark Deeks. That that guy's yeah. article kind of suggested that 
the full 18 would be this year. And then, so whatever the buyout number, let's say we, let's say over the 36 million, we bought him out for, um, uh, I don't know, 26. So if he's guaranteed the 18, then this year, then like the only 8 million would be left. That doesn't seem right to me. So I don't know. I frankly don't know mechanically how, how it works. Or even if we're, you know, I don't know, dude. I really don't know mechanically how it works. I just know that from what it sounds like so far, uh, we're saving a lot next year at least. And then whether or not that that gives us cap space this year is another question. That definitely makes things a lot more interesting with respect to guys like Rodney Hood and, and stuff like that. Yeah, if we somehow have five to eight million left to use in addition to having a flexible roster spot, then yeah, that opens up the Rodney Hood angle and any other, um, well, if there's any other free agents that, of the caliber of Rodney Hood. But I think at the end of the day, and sorry, we don't know the specifics of this. It is confusing, especially with regards to the timing of the dates and what triggers what uh, into next year and all that stuff. But we thought we had a handle of what happens when a stretch occurs, but apparently we don't. Um, and you know, news is still breaking as we go. But I think at the end of the day, it's more significant because Luau Deng is not just giving the standard kind of like what Carmelo did. I don't even know if Carmelo gave up that much money, but you typically it's like one to 2 million that the player gives up and saves the team that they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And usually the, the team that's uh, initiating the buyout, they're also doing this to save money for their themselves and, and save luxury tax, right? That doesn't really account for the Lakers. So it didn't really matter. They didn't really need the money in their pocketbooks. Um, but I think moving forward, you can at least know that maybe our cap hit over the next few years, which is I think going to be three years, is probably probably went from six million, and maybe now it'll be only four million on our books, right? Yeah. So I mean that that's pretty that's pretty significant, and the Lakers will have more money. And at the end of the day, it's what two million dollars or so more. But I think in the grand scheme of things, with what we're trying to build, that's still very important at the end of the day, uh, especially because 2019 is probably going to be our last big splash when we sign that next superstar free agent. And you're hoping that on the tail end of that, that we'll still have some money left over to also sign another significant role player, whether that means we re-sign Rondo if he does really well, or just another um, championship contending caliber type player. Right. So I think whatever money Luau Deng gave up that helps in in that respect. So uh, thank you, Luau Deng. I mean, even more so let's, let's give Luau Deng a clap. This is his best, uh, play for the Lakers in his career. Um, and my, my favorite Luau Deng memory is the random fact that he started the first game of this past season. So yeah, good job. <laughs> what a, what a random, what a random career. Uh, but with that said, we'll end that here. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out together what that final number is in terms of what he gave up and just exactly what the specifics are of what the Lakers are gaining here and how much cap space they'll have uh, specifically moving forward. Uh, with that said, we'll catch you guys later. Also, next week, we've got our Mo Wagner Part 2 episode, and we've got some other episodes queued up. So we wanted to make sure to get this out so we didn't have to do some extra explaining as to why we're still not talking about Luau Deng in those episodes. Uh, but yeah, with that said, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes just to uh, pour one out for Luau Deng. All right, Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. Later, it's over. <laughs>
Dude, right, what, if we, uh, what if we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what if we, what if we, what if, like, I, this is no way this is going to happen, but what if they somehow have, like, a trade lined up for Jimmy Butler? And they needed, like, the cap flexibility and roster flexibility to just do the trade now. Maybe. That'd be crazy. Although, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. Damn. I'm still recording this, by the way. And with that said, we'll end it right there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't include that part, dude. No, it's in. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quarter on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.